Welcome to Trot Around Travel, hosted by me, Victoria Trot. This podcast series explores life after lockdown in travel and tourism in Europe. In this episode, the focus is on Italy, which is the third most popular holiday destination with British tourists. After the terrible pictures and news reports coming out of the north of the country earlier this year, I'd like to know what life is like now and what tourists can expect this summer. My guest is the award-winning travel writer Lisa Gerard-Sharp, who lives between northern Italy and the south of France. Well, we saw terrible images coming out of um, northern Italy earlier this year, and I was just wondering what life was like now. Well, Italy was, you're right, the first European country Mm. to be struck by the pandemic and therefore became Europe's black sheep. But the country was very brave and imposed a strict lockdown, which has definitely paid off. Um, So speaking personally, I came back from London to the Riviera, was quarantined and made feel like a dangerous super spreader when my Italian husband came from Europe's virus hotspot. But then the UK became Europe's virus hotspot and the tables were turned. And now life has definitely rebounded, I think helped by the famed Italian flexibility. And unlike in the UK, the messaging has been very clear and coherent in that a six month state of emergency was declared on the 31st of January with lockdown in late February. And emergency measures have just been prolonged till the end of October, so will remain exactly as they are at the moment, Um, which which means that Italians are still cautious and responsible and respectful of safety measures, which are tougher than in France. And this actually goes against the Italian stereotype of being rather lackadaisical. Uh, But the Italians have been extremely good in following the measures. And much has changed since the beginning. So as we're border types, the the first visit to the Italian Riviera when borders opened on June the 3rd uh, was a a really bizarre thrill. Um, But with each visit, normality returns. And so from the beginning, the new normal was, was eerily dystopian with social distancing hopscotch lines and gloves in some stores and occasional temperature checks. But now much of that has gone and most people have got into the social distancing thing and the need for mask banditry, but are very relaxed about it. So apart from having to don masks in public places, shops and indoor markets, many people also wear them in the street, uh, wherever social distancing measures can't be guaranteed. Um, But cafes, which have been open since mid-May, so definitely a contrast with with the UK, are relaxed to the extent that cafe life means that people can relax anyway, um, eat and talk easily. There's no need for masks on the terraces and alfresco life definitely abounds. And I would say as a result, Italy feels very safe and with the additional gloss of Italian warmth, which makes all these sacrifices, big and small, worthwhile. And essentially, the Italians were very hard hit, but the country is resilient. And being Italians, they can always find an upside to life, 
Mm. So even the rewilding of certain places uh, is one of the weird benefits of lockdown, that there were reports of baby sharks swimming off the seashore in, off Savona on the Italian Riviera, um, skies full of falcons, wild boars invading Tuscan towns. So <laughs> it's just an example of wow. but it's, how it's life like, is positive. I was going to say, it sounds like life is uh, sort of, you know, very much getting back to normal there. It, it definitely is. Um, I think that really you you almost forget you're wearing a mask, um, which in passing, I have to say, are extremely cheap and readily available in all pharmacies and supermarkets. So I think that's a big plus mm. and often given to you free if for any reason you've forgotten one. And I do think that against the Italian stereotype, people really are behaving in an incredibly responsible way. I think because they have really suffered it um, since, since February. So I would say that this summer is a strange summer everywhere in that it's mainly devoted to domestic tourism. And yes. that is probably tr true of much of Europe. But the Italians are hoping, and, and there are very few Brits around, I've heard barely ever right. any. And this is a huge shock for, for yes. the Italian economy, but, but because normally Italy welcomes over 3 million Brits a year, and it's definitely one of the, the main holiday destinations for us. But the Italians are hoping we'll come back in the autumn yeah. tempted by the great outdoors, festivals, and to cultural life slowly seeping back into the cities. But Absolutely. if I'm being honest, for now, many holiday hotspots are pretty empty. And given Italy's strict ban on non-essential travel from the US, um, that, along with the lack of Brits, means that holiday hotspots in Venice, the Amalfi Coast, are definitely feeling the absence of of Brits and Americans, especially empty nesters. Right. Even if I would say that the lack of high spending Americans is probably more keenly felt as they're close to six million Americans who visit. But, oh right, it's that many. Mm, so double the other Brits. Yes, it is a big difference. But but on the other hand, the positive side is that um, it's the summer beach season, so the resorts are doing very well. But the empty cities are both a shock to the system and a chance to wallow in the stark beauty of the cities. In yes. Whether, whether in, in Venice or Mantua, Milan. I was, oh, I was going to ask you, have you been over to Venice at all recently? Um, yes, I have, and it is dramatically different. Um, the, Venice is an extremely complex situation um, in itself because, of course, it's hugely popular for Brits and the second most popular destination for high-spending Americans. And so without us there, definitely the city is su suffering. It is there is a monoculture of tourism in Venice and over-tourism is sadly the norm in Venice. Yes. So the wiser locals, who alas are not all of them, are hoping for a tourism reset um, in the autumn onwards with fewer visitors, but a more sustainable tourism with tourists staying longer uh, or coming out of season. 
but it is an economy based very much on on uh, luxury hotels and uh, cruising and day trips yeah. so it's a very complicated picture but i would say that milan is complicated in a different way because of course it's very much a business city yeah. as well as a tourism city but on my recent visit there um i saw more pigeons than people on piazza del duomo which is the main square mm. and this picture of deserted cities really does stretch throughout italy so venice florence um, the uffizi was virtually empty a few weeks ago when i visited which was absolutely wonderful to be standing in front of a botticelli on my i can own. imagine yes but the downside is uh, the custodians were almost in tears saying, you know, will mm. their jobs survive? And this is, after all, in Italy's second top museum after the Vatican wow. Museums. Yes, that, uh, that is a worry. But that, is a, that is an upside, we can say, that mm. the major galleries and archaeological sites, um, they are virtually empty, so whether it's the great archaeological sites in Sicily um, or those in, in Tuscany and Umbria and Rome. But um, that's, so, so the, the upside is there for the individual visitors, but the downside of course is how can tourism survive like that? Well, this is it. And I mean, in terms of hotels, are all the hotels open or, or, or just a few, uh, you know, what, what's the situation? It's a very mixed picture. Um, I would say that hotels are probably the sector uh, doing, doing worst, along with the cities, if you can generalise. Um, probably because um, they, they really are at the sharp edge end of the tourism industry. And, and, and therefore, a lot of them either didn't open or partially opened or decided they're just open for a month or so in summer and test the waters and see what's happening. So it is a very mixed picture. Um, again, reflecting the local background. So Venice, they're definitely suffering uh, Milan. And I think within that, the luxury hotel sector is suffering most of all. But it's all part of the general picture of tourism because tour tourism is 13% of Italian GDP. Right. But far, yes, but far more in the tourism hotspots of Tuscany, Venice, Sicily, mm. Sardinia, the Amalfi Coast. And I would say that the tourism industry and the hotel industry is feeling both confident and nervous. Um, but above all, British tour operators to Italy deeply in need of our support in order to survive the strange year. So whether it's hoteliers or villa holidays, um, we do need to book with them just to make sure that they're, they're actually there next year. Yeah. The regions too. Sicily, for example, has fallen, has, its visitors numbers have fallen by 50% this year. Gosh. The Amalfi Coast is badly hit as it relies almost wholly on foreign visitors from from the states and to a lesser extent us and um, yes at all price levels hotels are half empty or closed even if the italian government is very cleverly and generously offering holiday bonds to the poorest italian families but oh, right that of course wouldn't wouldn't affect the luxury sector um, 
But the countryside, on the other hand, should be in demand and is in theory. I think farm stays are doing right. very well because mm. of the price bracket. It's a lower price bracket. Uh, it ensures social distancing. And villa holidays are doing pretty well. So it's 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 the hoteliers really who are suffering most. Um, and But even in Tuscany and the famed Chianti area, mm. Um, this has been really hard hit by luxury tourism. Um, the villas are definitely rebounding more quickly as they meet the demand for space, privacy, social distancing and bespoke mm. services. And the beaches, um, the coast really from the Italian Riviera down to Tuscany in particular, a little bit less in the south, seem to have rebounded um, with and with with no significant second wave, which has of course ah okay that's tourism and confidence. And and it's mainly, it's mainly domestic tourism there, is it? It's mainly the Italians that are going to the resorts. It resort. is mainly domestic tourism, and I would say independent travellers. Right. Um, obviously not Americans; they're banned. But yeah. but Brits probably, but not in significant numbers enough to to really make a difference. I think Italy is counting, as I mentioned, on a resurgence in the autumn, mm. which is highly possible, in my opinion, beyond the big cities. The Italian Tourist Board is more confident than I am and saying that their, their international campaign in the autumn is going to push the cities. But right. I suspect that has much to do with the power of the hoteliers in the cities rather than reflecting the reality on the ground that people feel safer. Sure. outside the cities so so have there been has there been any resurgence in 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 the virus in clusters like we've seen in spain and belgium and croatia and various other places touchwood not to any significant degree it's been very very localized and um so small as to have not had any effect upon the, the for example to give an example in in liguria there was a farm uh, which employed a lot of migrant workers oh. and that was closed down or an old people's home. You know, it will be a couple of tiny um, so entities. Very, very localised. Exactly. So nothing that could be called a proper spike. Right. And even even in, in Lombardy, which after all was the epicentre yes, of the pandemic yeah. with 50% of... Um, of of the deaths in all of Italy. Even there, they've had no recorded cases um, or deaths for about five days. So I think well, you can good say that, that the Italian measures are definitely proving proving successful. Um, the only thing I, was gonna, I, was, I was gonna say, it's, it's, you were saying that it's stricter, isn't it? It's more strict in Italy than it has, yes. been, um, than it has been here. Definitely, and what has impressed me, it's a strictness that's been led by the government and the Italians have a reputation of being very rebellious, yes. but they have followed it absolutely rigidly, even over, I would say overdoing it to the extent that, you know, where I was yesterday in a restaurant outdoors, um, everybody was wearing masks um, at, at, at the beginning so to, to mm. talk to each other and then taking them off. So, and in the street, you will, you will see people who, um, who wear masks a lot of the time if, if oh. social distancing measures can't be can't be ensured and so I think the people have really taken it to heart uh, safety protocols 
are very strict. I think their fines of up to a thousand euros for not wearing a right. mask. Um, Italy's state of emergency, as I said, will be extended till the end of October. But everyday life is definitely back to normal. Uh, bar mask wearing and social distancing. So locals are now chatting and are much more cheerful as they pop into, yeah. say, the, the local olive mill for olive oil, stocking mm. up on pasta and pesto. Commercial life has fully returned and local craftsmen are back at work and as our hairdressers are lost art in lockdown. Yeah. So, so I'd say book, book with confidence, but with a sense of... Uh, with sense and also social distancing. Um, mm. so I was, and, and the, was going to say in the resorts as well. I mean, it's is it's the social distancing pretty good? For, you know, on the beach, for example, you know, are the beaches sort of you know socially distanced uh, for people, yes. or, or do they rely on people to to sort it out themselves? I would say it's in France, it's pretty reasonable, and in Italy, mm. I would say it's even better. Certainly, oh. beach beds are rigorously a meter plus apart, mostly more. And um, any bar service will be, uh, will be, bar, bar, bar staff will be wearing masks. Uh, obviously you're not on the beach and of course it's far safer on the beach. Uh, beach restaurants, just like cafe terraces, um, it's a question in theory of wearing a mask as you enter, wearing a mask if you're walking around, but of course not, not wearing a mask if you're sitting at the table. But the wonderful thing about Italy um, is that the climate lends itself to alfresco dining. So, so cafe terraces, you really don't notice the, dis the, di the difference because um, people are of course the staff but the guests are, are not wearing masks you still have the wonderful sea view or mountain view and um and it's 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 a relaxed atmosphere but that said if you look at it from the industry point of view it's too early to tell but i think a lot of restaurants yeah. are clearly suffering because with social yes. distancing measures the numbers have gone down dramatically and so not all not all of them not all of them are opening but i think it's it's um something that will be clear in the autumn yes, when yeah. work returns properly and the cities start becoming full again so are there any good i mean what are the deals like from the uk to italy at the moment are they are, are there good prices to be had um i think so but i i think it's it's really a question first of all of thinking how you want to travel right. um because i would say that um rail travel uh would be rail travel or i know car travel is less uh, environmentally friendly but in terms of the virus it's it's more more an attractive more attractive yes. option than flying so i'd yeah. say rail travel is absolutely a great option brilliant in italy anyway because they have really taken on board social distancing measures keeping the next seat to you free and um, uh, free hand sanitizer as you enter sometimes even on the fast trains a safety pack given to you with a mask and water and if you're lucky a bottle of prosecco in uh, in the higher class trains train prices are rail prices are lower than in the uk so that's already attractive and most lines are completely back to normal so i'd say that would be a way to go um other good deals would definitely be villas and 
yes and farm stays because there's more competition in that area even hotels um i think it's not necessarily about prices because given staffing costs it's very hard for them to actually lower their prices yeah but more about extra services mm. uh, personalized service uh, the the delight at seeing foreign visitors and going the extra mile to make you happy um, but for the cities I think you will also find very good deals just mm. because um, the uh, hotels are all in, in great competition um, with with each other and also in in cafes I've noticed that restaurants are giving all sorts of uh, uh, not just sort of free drinks at the end of at the end of the meal, but but sometimes even offering you um, a free course or encouraging you to come back. And also the cultural sites. Um, I think where, wherever you have any deal with a normal UK tour operator, you're going to enjoy those cultural sites even more because of the lack of crowds in the great temples yeah. of Agrigento or, or Sicily, or as I mentioned, standing in front of those Botticelli's yeah. in the Uffizi Gallery in Florence, or seeing the Roman Forum without the crowds, or the, the, the Pantheon also in Rome, which has reduced its numbers dramatically. So I think rather than looking at it purely as a price value relationship, I would look at it more as um, where do you want to go and then and then within that um, be clear that you will get far better service more more personalized service and and definitely if possible booking through a tour operator of, of which I would recommend as a first port of call somewhere like Abtoy the Association of British Tour Operators yes. to Italy which is loveitaly.co.uk because they represent about 60 tour operators and they definitely need to be supported to ensure that they're in, in business next year. And of course, they know the latest in their particular sectors, whether whether villa holidays or rail tourism or city arts holidays. Mm. So that's that's also a very good, um, a good starting point, I think. Yeah, I was, I was going to ask you um, somewhat, you know, where it would be good to get off the beaten track, but it sounds like um, if you're a culture vulture, going to a city is, is a pretty good option at the moment, seeing as you'll have all the, the museums to yourself pretty it, much. Definitely, it, it is. I think it's about horses for courses. So yes. definitely art lovers, culture lovers uh, like myself, you know, I have no qualms about visiting visiting the cities but obviously if you have an existing condition you're more yeah. nervous about traveling then i would say take a classic option which is equally fantastic which is heading to the mountains because without question the mountains do social distancing naturally and yes. somewhere like the trentino dolomites was wasn't badly hit by the pandemic in the first place and the climate is wonderful and they're they're very strict about health protocols so i was chatting to a friend of mine travel journalist there at the moment and valerie collins and she's delighted by her experience in the mountains and said uh, if it wasn't for people wearing face masks in shops it's just like any normal summer here plenty of people around in town on all the most popular walks in the mountains strict controls on the shuttle buses and car parking which have to be booked online 
and it's great to know what the rules are and not have to cope with Boris Johnson's idiosyncrasies. So I think that gives you a feeling for yeah. life in the mountains. And I mean, what, what kind in, of, well, I was going to say, what kind of thing can people expect to do in the mountains? Because obviously, you know, if I associate the mountains with either walking or skiing, but I guess there are spa opportunities, that kind of thing as well. There are. That is a delicate area because um, oh, yes. lots of the spas yeah. are thermal spas and throughout Italy it's rather patchy they're still getting right. some of their social distancing measures into place so okay. some of that won't be fixed till the autumn but I would say that really the ski lifts in summer in somewhere like the Trentino Dolomites they they become access points yes. to the mountains and to the walks and a high point with would be what they call rifugi in Italian which is mountain lodges that, oh, yes. that serve wonderful food so going there and hiking um, is probably the biggest thing and the sheer beauty of the mountains in itself and then in the autumn the neighboring region uh, the south Tyrol mm. called Alto Adige in Italian is launching a number of food festivals as oh. they are in Trentino itself. So, for example, in, in Alto Adige, five mountain lodges, which are linked to Michelin starred chefs, because they have a huge concentration of Michelin starred restaurants, oh, okay. are going to produce um, all their local produce and dishes based on goat's cheese, honey, mountain herbs, black bread in, in the mountain lodges rather than in their Michelin starred restaurants. Oh, sounds wonderful. So, so that would be another activity, um, but pretty much any sport. They're, they're very, very sporty up there. So it's, it's sort of quite common for a fit 20-year-old to be overtaken by an eight-year-old <laughs> Trentino Dolomites local. <laughs> <laughs> Proof that the climate definitely works. I bet. Gosh. But I'd, but I'd say also, um, I'm biased, but I'd say my patch, the Italian Riviera, is is both off the beaten track once you escape the coast and uh, so the hinterland of Liguria and is is far better value than the French Riviera so yes, yes yesterday for example for instance I was in the mountains behind Ventimiglia and Bordighera for a family reunion mm -hmm. and it was a simple yet fabulous inn overlooking flashy Monton and Monaco and we feasted on vegetarian tarts, pasta stuffed with wild herbs and spinach and pigato white wine and a glass of limoncello as a chaser, great well. sea view. <laughs> and that's the unpretentious Italy I would, I would urge everyone to visit. It's, it's really bliss to enjoy this kind of feeding frenzy after the lockdown and waltz from cafe to comfort food or a seafront restaurant and feel that the Italian welcome is definitely there. I wonder whether because this, um, I was going to say, I wonder whether the, this, you know, sort of pandemic might encourage people to be a bit more adventurous rather than, you know, traditional holidays then and sort of, you know, get off the beaten track and, and do things that maybe they wouldn't normally do sort of arriving in resort and just staying there. I think it has, even for general general travelers of which which doesn't really apply to travel journalists but i would say lots of friends and family have discovered the mountains for the yeah. first time this year they went there for negative reasons thinking that they didn't dare go to cities and came back amazed at the variety of activities on offer and also the feeling of safety the beauty the the temperature so yes as for the broader question of sustainability 
Um, I, th I think I'm probably a touch cynical, so I think certain cities such as Venice, there is so much invested in the cruise industry and, um, and other sectors that are rather damaging to Venice as currently set yes. up. Um, so I think that is a tricky area, but I think we can hope that there, that there is some kind of sustainable reset. Yes. I, in, I was going to say, minds. you know, have they have they started talking about how you know how they could change either the Italian government or the, the people in the Italian tourism industry how they could change things to make it more sustainable, or are they sort of still looking to attract the uh, the cruise ships and and the sort of vast number of tourists back? Um, I think it's very difficult to generalise because. Um, Without being too controversial, yes. the, the mm. cruise ship industry in Venice is a particular case. So I would, I would just say that that is very particular there. And, yes. and the, the lagoon is a world world, uh, UNESCO World Heritage Site. And really nothing that damages the lagoon should be allowed within the lagoon. So really mass, mass tourism, um, mass cruising, none of that should be happening really. But outside Venice, which is definitely a special case. I think sustainable tourism is in the Italian blood and certainly um, is, is a factor of many holidays already in particularly the central regions of Italy. So oh, right. Umbria, Tuscany, Le Marche, um, it's very established also in Puglia. And uh, so whether it's farm stays or staying yeah. in a beautiful masseria, a fortified farmhouse, eating farm to fork food, um, I think all of that is very established. Um, rail travel, as I said, is very good value. That is definitely part of slow tourism and sustainable. So that is pretty established, although could be more, could be more so. Um, Beyond that, I think um, the tourism hotspots will, the, the Florence, Rome, Venice will always be tourism hotspots. And within yeah. that, you have the more sustainable and the less sustainable. But uh, I think initially there has been a shift away from the, the tokenistic, let's change your towels to, to a proper investment in um, particularly in slow food because after all Italy is the birthplace of yes. slow food so I think on the on the food side definitely sustainability is taken very seriously this was Italy was was where Italy was founded which which started a big movement for um, buying food within 40 kilometers of where you you live or less than that and and food, I think, in lockdown has taken on even greater significance, if that were possible. Mm. And the, these small pleasures definitely need to survive. And low-key cafe life is one of those small pleasures, as is market shopping or jaunting along a seafront promenade. So my key message would be that under that jaunty mask, the Dolce Vita Italy that you loved is still there. The, the same Italy that we always loved and appreciated for its lifestyle, its art, its warmth, its wine, its food. And don't listen to the doomsters. Definitely start planning or booking, even if it's only for the autumn. And believe that that Dolce Vita dream 
survives, that you're not just being spun a line by a tourist board. <laughs> well, Lisa, I, I have to say that you've totally made me want to pack my bag <laughs> and get on the next train <laughs> to Italy. So uh, you've done an excellent sales job on me, that's for sure. So um, I'm, I'm seriously thinking now <laughs> about whether to go, go to Italy in September. So, um, so that is, uh, that just, it sounds absolutely wonderful. Thank you so much for uh, your insight. It's been wonderful. I'm sure, you know, you've inspired me. I'm sure you'll ins you will have inspired everybody else as well. <laughs> so, um, you know, hopefully uh, there'll be quite a few people uh, heading off there. It's a pleasure. No, it will. Italy is my first love, so it's very, very easy to sell. But, but um, I think it sells itself. It, above all, it's the people. It's a cliche, yes, but um, yeah. it, it's it's really true. And and the variety of landscapes, the quality of life, the the absolute the range of experiences on offer. And I would actually say the accommodation is is incredible. From farm stays to boutique hotels to villa holidays um it it is all it is all there waiting for you and the italians have always had a a love affair with the brits so i think there yes. is a natural uh sympathy and synergy between between the two races so i think that um they will be only too happy to see everybody back oh absolutely i'm sure i'm sure we will be <laughs> good <laughs> Stay safe and check the Foreign Office website for the latest travel advice.